Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now coming up on today's episode is the film director, Matthew Pfeiffer. We get to sit down and talk all about his brand new film, Cicada. Right now it's my film of the year and yes, I completely understand it is only January, but it's absolutely incredible from start to finish. One of the most moving films I've seen, absolutely fascinating from start to finish and easily the best debut you're going to see from any director this year. It's absolutely awesome. You'll find out more in the interview that's coming up in just a couple of moments time. But as always, I like to use the intro and touch base and talk about my last episode. It was only yesterday it came out, but I was joined by Danielle Deadweiler. We got to talk horror, Watchmen, TV and so much more. The response has been amazing, even though it's only been out for 24 hours, and I just want to say a massive thank you for everyone that's taken the time to listen. But let's get back to today's episode. I'm joined by Matthew Pfeiffer, and I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it. So here's me and Matthew talking all things film. So Matt, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. What I want to do today, Matt, is for the listeners that might be tuning in for the very first time and hearing your name and this film, is take it back to the start. So can you tell me what it was, maybe a film or an actor or a certain performance that made you fall in love with film? French class. I remember in high school, we had to make these films in order to pass. Or I think we were given a few different options. We can make a diorama, a poster... I guess I guess we were given three options, diorama, poster, film, and I would just really go to town and make these really amazing, awful French films where we had to incorporate all these vocabulary words, and it was very Cassavetes. It was very, you know, I didn't really care about the French. I cared about the mise-en-scene. Yeah. And... And that kind of took me through, but I guess Andrea Arnold and Fish Tank and Wasp, these two films stick out in my memory. It's like, wow, cinema can do that. These, These films that toe the line between narrative and doc, and they feel, there's something about them that feels a little bit more real. And was there a moment that you were watching these films ever thinking that it could be something that you could do, or was it just a dream at that stage? It was definitely a definitely a dream i had a lemonade stand growing up uh, until like way too late until i was like 14 and i thought i would do something in business so i went to business school to be safe and then i was working in sids which is sudden infant death syndrome i was working in sids research um at columbia university which is this college in the states and yeah one day i just said let me try this thing and that was it. And did you have the backing of your family and friends? Because when you turn around to someone and say you want to make a, a career in either the music industry or the film industry, most people say you need something to fall back on or, you know, that's a dream. It's not going to become reality. Or were you just full of determination that you thought to yourself, I want this so badly that nothing else will get in the way? Yeah, definitely had the backing of my mom and my dad. And... Yeah, I think everybody knew that I was not going to have a job in like a nine to five. Yeah. They knew that I needed something different. And so when I made Cicada, it was kind of like that. I I was 
not going to do anything. I also thought I was dying. So I said, well, if I'm going, I'm going to make this thing and nothing's going to stop me. Um, I very much had a lot of support, though, between my friends and my family, which I think is something that we don't talk about in this industry a lot, the, the film industry, just how lucky and privileged we, we all are to make even a short film, how much money goes into it. It's not like you pick up a guitar and you strum a few things and put it on YouTube. And the music industry isn't easy either. And that's not what I'm saying. But to make your first project, it takes a lot of resources, more than say sculpting or painting, um, you know, at the beginning stages at least. With Cicada, obviously it's quite an ambitious piece of work in the fact that you weren't just starring in it, you're writing, you're directing, you know, there's a lot of work, you know, did you feel at any point, oh my God, this is biting off more than I can chew? Because some people will start writing and then get into a career. Some people will start directing music videos or shorts, but you just went, I'm doing it all, you know, give it all to me. And, you know, it was, that's very brave. And, you know, to see the final results, it's paid off, but you must've at times thought, oh my God, like this is so much work. Yeah, every day. <laughs> and still to this day, I didn't intend on acting in it. The reason I acted in it at all was because my co-director, Kieran, Kieran Mulcair, who is a phenomenal director and actor. And he said, I'm not doing this unless you play Ben. And I was like, all right. <laughs> um, and so any if my performance is any bit okay it's because of kieran and um and sheldon my scene partner who is phenomenal i mean this the film itself and i mean this is one of my contenders already for film of the year uh we're only a month in but it's incredible the camera work is absolutely outstanding you are not being kind enough to your acting ability um the whole way that it tackles trauma is done with so much respect and it's so real um it must be quite hard to dig deep and try and put these onto camera and onto film because it's real life trauma people have lived through this people have had this in their lives and you didn't make it all polished and glittery you made it real and that's quite rare and lacking in film nowadays i think everyone tries to make everything too shiny but you kept it raw and i think that's so important but how was it filming these scenes and being part of them, knowing that they're so, so close to people's hearts and, you know, people have lived through this and will now bring back those painful days when seeing it on screen? Well, whew, thank you for saying that and, and having it anywhere near your top. That's amazing. Uh, in terms of the aesthetic of it, it was never really a choice. We shot this for... I think we finished production for under 50k which yeah. is if you've ever made a movie it's not a lot of money um and then for post we got lucky we won um a couple grants that helped us finish and i i mean i owe the look of the film to eric schleicher who is an incredible dp he pulled his own focus he was his own grip he's going 40 miles an hour down I think it was Broadway on a skateboard with an Amira on his shoulder. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think because Sheldon and I had never really acted on screen before, having less crew is definitely 
a huge help. It felt like we were shooting a doc in a lot of ways because Sheldon was working through a lot of the same issues um, and I was working through a lot of the same issues. So we were playing versions of ourselves. Yeah. And that's, I think, where people resonate because they know, I think they can sense that these two actors are are close, you know, very close to the script. And and that must make it quite hard because, you know, trauma, abuse, discrimination is what people go through, but you're reliving it by telling the story on a film set, you know, uh, what you're trying to get across as a message. But that's really tough when you're asking an actor or yourself and people by you to relive those moments again. It's like reading an old diary, isn't it? Or reading old letters that are to yourself. Yeah, in front of 20 people. Yeah. And have to do it now. <laughs> and it has to be this angle. The voice can't pass the mic. It's it's a lot of different things. But again, because I had Kieran there who had been through something similar, he had done a scene from Amy Herzog's A Great God Pan, which dealt with similar themes. I felt like he yeah, he was my my therapist and my muse and my my just made it all possible I, and again with Sheldon who three months prior had been shot in a drive-by in Chicago and so I said every single day that I didn't want to um you know I didn't think that I could do it I remembered hey these these two people are coming here every day so I can show up yeah and I think I don't want to spoil the film because people that are listening today, I hope will go and check the film out. Oh, so I don't yeah, want to, I'm you know, I, I'm a, I'm massively yeah. against spoilers. Um, but what I really like about this film is the message that you can finally form healthy relationships in life, that you can overcome the traumas, you can find love, you can overcome anything really. Um, and that's a strong message. And, even though there are abusive people and there's neglectful people in the world, there's a positive message in the film as well. And I'm really trying not to spoil things. It's hard. Um, but what's what's really important is that you have that and it's showing that you can form those relationships and friendships again and they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good message you get across in this film. And I think... You just mentioned, you know, your therapist. I don't think enough men in this world are brave enough to admit that they go to therapy, that they're scared to hide behind a mask and pretend everything's okay. And isn't it great that there's more people now starting to show their true colours and show that they are struggling and are happy to hold a hand up and say, I'm not okay? Yeah. If, if we all had, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in the States, it's so hard to find a good therapist. And... You have to find somebody who has your insurance, who can see you at that specific time and uh, just vibes with you. And a lot of times, once you find this person, they, um, you know, it could be life changing. I remember seeing my second therapist. Um, my therapist have a, a funny way of grabbing me and then leaving the company and then starting some of their own thing and then it's all out of pocket and which is really fun and this i remember this first therapy session she said something to me that i'd been waiting like seven years for someone to tell me <laughs> and it's wild how 
just saying these things out loud for yourself. Yeah. Half the battle and then having somebody who cares and you can go to once a week, twice a week, maybe once a month, even that is just such a, such a gift. And, and, um, yeah, I wish more people did it. I wish, I wish more of the men in my life went to therapy. I ask a lot of people that come on the podcast, whoever they are, an actor, a producer, a cinematographer, but what advice do you give to people that want to get into the industry? Because it's quite a hard industry to get into and make a name for yourself. What advice do you give to those people that are trying to get their work seen or to try and stand above others? To I think the industry is very hard to make it. Is there any tips that you could give or experience that you've gone through to try and get your work seen or to get your voice heard? I can speak about my own experience but I also know just the privilege of being a cis white guy in the states and if somebody is listening from like Poland right now um, it wouldn't be the same advice I guess if maybe it's similar in the UK but I would apply to as many grants and scholarships as possible because I never thought that I would win any of these and there are really so many of them. And I would speak about something that you're afraid of, uh, something that makes you feel naked, something that in a year's time you still think you'll care about because what I don't think enough people talk about is just how long the journey is of writing the script, finding the money, shooting it, waiting the year to get into the festivals, then coming out maybe six months later, a year later, than doing all this press like it just happened yesterday. So you have to find something that you deeply, deeply care about. And it's, it's really ineffable why this means so much. And the only medium to tell it in is film. Now this film's out there, it's officially released, people can go and see it. What's your biggest learning point from it? Because obviously, you know, with the time restraints and the pressure and trying to live up to people's expectations, you've now done it. You've delivered the goods. It's out there. So going into your next project, is there something that you change massively or that you would do differently? I would, yeah, I would do a thousand things differently. But the person at that time, I, I would say that I would probably do everything the same. Yeah. Um, like what I was going through and what I needed to do and with the resources I had, I think that it was always going to come out um, like it came out. Uh, but watching the film, I always want to see Sheldon more. I want to, I wish it was his movie. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because it's me looking at myself or because Sheldon is just such a, a charismatic, um, gorgeous human being inside and out and and actually we've talked about doing another project four or five years in the future where we revisit these characters um but i guess i would uh, i just shot my second feature so i can tell you what i did i did not act in it i said no. let me see what it's like just to direct this and feel like i'm not doing a thousand different things and it is a queer horror called treatment it will be out sometime this summer fall and i think it was just more pre-production and more money definitely i would give the advice to have more money to my younger self 
to be able to afford things like um, an assistant camera, uh, kind bars, you know, on set go a long way. I don't know if you have kind bars in the UK, but good craft service goes a long way. <laughs> it makes a difference. <laughs> and you said you're shooting a horror next. Well, it's finished. It's done. So that's exciting. That's completely different. Yeah, yeah. We, I'm editing it right now. We're at the tail end. We'll be going into color and sound pretty soon. And I'm really excited about it. It's about the violence that exists inside the community and outside of the community and how it manifests in shame and and um, in all of these different ways, all of these unexpected ways that I don't think a lot of us have really processed um, or acknowledged. Rooting, it's all rooted in the pathology of homosexuality because I don't think naturally queer people are born self-hating or, um, you know, hating others within our own community. Wow, I mean, you, you've literally teased us now. We, you're only at the stage of putting the colours, so we have to wait ages to see this, but it sounds already an amazing concept, quite original and fresh, especially for the horror world, so I'm really excited to see where that goes. Thank you. God, you, you're teasing us. It's not fair. It's like, can I see the trailer? <laughs> soon, soon. Not long. And, mm -hmm. and something I ask everyone that comes on this podcast, and I try and make it a bit different, is the guest that comes on the podcast gets to choose the outro song. So it can be a piece of music from any band, any artist, anyone that you love. It can be any film score, anything. But I do put you on the spot and you have to choose today. So as much as you probably wish you could email me in a couple of days, I wow. want your answer today. But every guest that's been on at nearly 200 episodes has all got to choose one song. So, Matt, I'm putting you on the spot. This episode's all done. It's edited. It's ready to go into the world. What do we finish today on? <laughs> I don't know if this is allowed, but um, my friend played this for me last night, and it's Risqué's Can I Smell Yo Dick, so I don't think that's good. We can do it. We can do whatever song you want. Any no. song in the world. No. <laughs> if you want it, that's your final choice, then you can have it. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, she's just a goddess, and she deserves she deserves a little love this week. But um, I don't know the vibe of your listeners, so I don't want to offend anybody. Honestly, I've had people choose B-sides from Yoko Ono that are 20 minutes long. I've had instrumental songs. I've had heavy, really heavy rock from Slayer. I've had acoustic jazz. So if you want to go for that, and that's the first song well, that came to you. Nature, <laughs> because of the nature of this film, I don't I don't know if it would be entirely appropriate. Um, I mean, it is, it's a queer film, but uh, how about... I love you always forever. The um, uh, Donna Lewis. Yeah, let's do that. I love you always forever by Donna Lewis. Is that your final decision? That is. Lovely. <laughs> Matt, our time comes to an end. I want to say a massive thank you. I'm really looking forward to seeing the response from Cicada. I've already read some early reviews and they're all absolutely glowing. IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, they're all nine tens. Like I said, at this current moment, you've got 11 months to go, but it's my film of the year. So thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck with everything. Mark, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Matthew Pfeiffer. 
As I said at the start of today's episode, I truly believe that Cicada is my film of the year as it stands. It's an incredible watch and I urge you all to go and check it out. You'll not be disappointed and as always, please jump onto social media and let me know what you think. There's no better compliment on this podcast than finding out about a book, maybe an acting performance or a film, recommending it on the podcast and then people go and see it, check it out and let me know their thoughts. It's an absolute pleasure to see, so please, if you've seen it, let me know. If you're new to Mark and me, thanks for jumping on board. There's over 180 episodes sitting there for free right now for you to jump straight back into. But hey, if you've been here for the long journey, thank you for sticking with me and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. All I ask for every episode that I do is to share it on your social media networks or just tell your friends at work. If you've enjoyed today's episode, tell your friends because honestly, that's the best way to market this podcast. I don't have income coming in where I can spend all this money on Facebook campaigns and Twitter ads. I like to just see and hope that word of mouth is enough to spread the word. So please, if you've enjoyed today's episode, spread the word and help this podcast. If you've really enjoyed today's episode, I also have a Patreon page. And thanks to the amazing guys at Richer Sounds, also Last Exit to Nowhere and Vice Press, each and every month I have some exclusive prizes to give away to say thank you for supporting this podcast. All the links are available on markandme.com, but for as little as £1 a month, you get to enter all these prizes. And starting in February, I also will have an exclusive episode each and every month just for my patrons to say thank you for supporting me. I'm going to be back in just a few days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, go and see Cicada, and I'll speak to you all very soon.